Well, you accomplished your goal. You get to where the best pitcher in college baseball can take you to the championship round of the College World Series. Now all you have to do is make sure you don't screw it up. That's much easier said than done. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Saints on vacay. And maybe Jeff Duncan and I going on vacay. What are we going to do? Do y'all care? Well, guess what? Even if you don't, you're going to hear about it. On Datitude, coming up next. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends elsewhere across the state of Louisiana and LSU fans buried somewhere they don't want to be. Or maybe somewhere they want to be. Who knows? Just not here in Louisiana. And you're sitting on your hands and knees and pins and needles and whatever. Praying that they're going to party like it's 2009. That's right, boys and girls. LSU, one win away. They've done it. They fought through the loser's bracket. And team that wins tonight is in. The team that loses tonight is out. It's as simple as that. Even with my Shaw math and my limited education, I can figure that out. LSU will make for us tonight. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the time, speaking the advocate and bet.nola.com. And this is Datitude, our regular weekly Datitude, not the one we just like threw together in a hurry. This is the planned Datitude. Not that you'll notice any different. Episode number one. 55 for a Thursday, June the 22nd, 2023. It may or may not be our season finale. We don't know. Um, This was supposed to be the end of the line before I go on vacay, the aforementioned vacay. Um, But uh, we may have an LSU show, especially if LSU wins a national championship, we're definitely going to have another show next week, one way or another. I'll stay an extra day. I'm supposed to go on vacation beginning Wednesday. Uh, I will wait for another one, another day. I'll just postpone it a day if LSU wins the national championship and we'll have a show next Wednesday. But, uh, hey, you got a lot of work to do. You got three wins. You need three wins. And, honestly, you know, if you look back to after Monday night and the heartbreaking defeat to Wake Forest, you had the championship by the, uh, the whatever you want to call it, the things, you know, the things. Um, you had it. You had it on Monday night, but uh, you, you couldn't do it. Trey Morgan gets thrown out at home. Momentum shifts. Wake Forest gets a run in the eighth inning, and uh, you can't win it. And they didn't win it. And so they had to go in the loser's bracket. They beat Tennessee. Pretty, you know, what was it? What is it, two five-to-two scores they had? Beat Tennessee, and then you beat Wake Forest. Pretty impressive. And really, they did it with what fans have been complaining about all year long, and that's the bullpen. How bad does this bullpen stink? There's no way this team's going to win a national championship because their bullpen is terrible. 
Yeah, I was waiting to get some backlash on Twitter last night because I was raving over the LSU bullpen from uh, Tuesday night. And then last night didn't start so hot, get down 2 nothing, And guess what? Not another run. Not a single run allowed. Even though Jay Johnson decided, look, he's been great this season. And I'll talk about this later with Jeff Duncan, who, by the way, is, is my guest today, if you didn't know that already. Um, but I don't know what he was thinking trying to bunt Trey Morgan. I get that you've won playing small ball at different times in the season, but you don't put your potentially, possibly your best hitter at the moment. As good as Dylan Cruz is, I really think Trey Morgan is the best hitter on this team right now. Um, he just is. I mean, Dylan Cruz has potential for more damage. Uh, Tommy Tanks hasn't done anything in this College World Series. Cade uh, Beloso has been phenomenal. So you could say either the Brother Martin kid or the John Curtis kid is the best hitter on the team right now. And Beloso hits the bomb that, that obviously wins the game. No more runs scored after that in the third inning. Looked like the over was a lock, by the way. Zach Ewing even said, it's, quote, a mortal lock, the over. Because that's what we had on Daily Best Bets yesterday. But who's the best hitter on the team right now? I mean, it really, you just don't bunt Trey Morgan in that situation. That could have been, you know, if, if Wake seizes momentum and they came back the next inning and they had some runners on, could have easily tied that game up. If they had gone on to win that game, that's, that bunt attempt would have been something that it would have been talked about for a long time. I promise you. And so I think Jay Johnson got away with one. You need to be aggressive in this situation, in my opinion. You know, Jeff Duncan, again, who's about to come on and tell his own side of the story, but, you know, one of the reasons why Wake Forest only mustered two runs last night is they played tentatively, and he's right. You know, you can't play tentative this time of year. You just got to go for it. And LSU was the team that looked more loose. Now, they weren't really hitting the ball either. Um, at one point I texted, uh, uncle big Nick and you know, I'm like four hits. All we got is four GD hits, you know, the old movie reference from major league, but it was true. I mean, LSU wasn't really hitting the ball that well either. So look, I think tonight's going to be different. I know everybody expects this big pitching. It's going to be a pitcher show. It's going to be a two to one. Whoever scores two wins, whoever scored two first wins. I disagree. I think both of these pitchers, who are both studs, I think they're going to come in and I think they're going to give up a few, front, few runs. I think Paul Skeens is going to give up a few runs. I don't think he's going to be the same Paul Skeens that we've seen. There's something different about pitching. Pitchers love routines, right? They love knowing what day they're going to pitch. If you notice, like even major league pitchers, a lot of times there's a day off. Sometimes... They'll, major league managers will switch a rotation. Even though it's, it's Joe Blow's turn, the ace will pitch on his regular rest. Especially when you get towards the end of the season. Because pitchers are creatures of habit. We'll see. I, I don't think it's going to be... Uh, what, what worries me more than anything from an LSU perspective is you're thinking in your head, if we can just get to the Paul Skeens game, if we can just get to the Paul Skeens game, that's all we got to do. Just get there. We'll be in the College World Series. We'll, we'll win it. We'll win one of those two games, and then we'll have another Paul Skeens game. 
Because I promise you, if they win tonight and they split uh, games one and two with Florida and there's a game three, Paul Skeens is pitching on three days rest. There's zero doubt in my mind that that's happening. He's at least going to pitch at some point in the game. Zero doubt. But you got to get there first. And it's not as easy as I think people think it's going to be. And I certainly hope that the team isn't think it's going to be that easy. You at home, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I say on this show. They just got to go out and do it. I don't think they're going to take it for granted, but you could easily see a team taking it for granted because of what a mindset needs to be. And you got to remember, you're still playing the team that's number one in the nation. Okay? Wake Forest didn't play well last night, but I promise you, there is zero doubt in my mind. Tom Walter, the former UNO coach, this is going to be a different team, different Wake Forest team they're going to face tonight. It's going to be. This is going to be a fight. I would be surprised if this is not a super tight ball game throughout. And, you know, LSU fans weren't really on pins and needles last night all that much. You get a 5-2 lead, and there were only a couple times in the game when they even had a chance to tie it up. So there wasn't a lot of drama, a whole lot of drama last night, not like Florida and TCU earlier in the day. But there's going to be drama tonight, I bet. I de- that, you know, if people ask me what I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet that, that there's going to be drama. I think it's 50-50. I really do. I don't think LSU is a one-and-a-half-to-one favorite uh, to win, according to the books, minus 155 the last I saw, which means you got about $155 to win 100 So the bookmakers and Joe Q Public is probably going to be on LSU tonight because of Paul Skeens. I'm not saying I'm not on LSU, but I'm not. I think it's 50-50. It's not, I wouldn't bet this, as I say in the show, I wouldn't bet this with Jeff Duncan's money. Just wouldn't. But I think it's going to be fun. I said the, before the first regional, I said before the first regional game was played on Bayou Bets, and I believe I said it on this podcast, but I definitely said it on Bayou Bets, that I thought LSU and Florida were the two best teams in the country, and that if they got on opposite sides of the bracket, I thought it would be them, those two teams. So Florida made it, and they're in the catbird seat because they get a day off and they get to reset everything. And LSU or Wake Forest, they're going to go into the, the championship round. Whoever wins tonight is going in the championship round. They're going to have to start their, their number two pitcher. And Florida's licking their chops. I said Florida was going to win from the get-go. I still stand by that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting no matter what happens. You just hope, like you've been doing, one game at a time, one batter at a time. If LSU does that and has that mentality, one batter at a time, don't go into it taking anything for granted. If they can do that in one batter at a time and these kids play loose and fun, which is what, look, Kate Beloso, the reason why he hit the home run last night, look, he had a big smile on his face before he even hit it. Went up there to hit a sack fly. Ended up hitting it over the right field wall. It is what it is. I'm not going to say there's attitude magic that ever since he came on this show, he's been phenomenal, but, you know, I don't think I need to say it. For those who've been listening to the show, it is what it is. All right, let's get to our expert, our columnist, 
our Mr. Know-It-All that comes on this show. That's why we have him here. Jeff Duncan, tell him hello on this Thursday morning. Paul Skeen's coming up tonight, and then we're going to talk some Saints today. Saints on vacation, just four weeks away from the start of training camp, which means that Jeff Duncan just doesn't get any time off. What's going on? Not much. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we had that news today. Saints camp starts July 24th. First practice is July 26th. I'm sure the dates and times uh, as far as which practices will be open to the public, that will come at a later date uh, from the team. But, uh, yeah, it's not far away. In the meantime, we got sports like, you know, the College World Series to carry us over. Well, you know, I think it's carrying people over pretty well. I mean, we wondered if LSU would be able to, you know, dunk after they lost on Monday. Uh, you know, obviously in a must-win situation after that. If they can win tonight and beat Wake Forest and get the championship round, they're back to not having – they're not in a must-win situation. I mean, you want to win, obviously, when you get to the championship round, but you go back to best two of three, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, – apropos I guess you could say because the Tigers have been kind of all over the map and now they're doing it with pitching I kind of joked in the in the open about you know people wow wow about how the bull that's all I heard the bullpen sucks this team can't win anything because this bullpen can't win it if Paul Skeens isn't pitching this team can't win a big game well they're proving them wrong yeah I, you know I, I told some friends last night that I think Cade Beloso won the national championship with that three-run home run. I really feel like that's all it took. Once they got that big lead, Wake Forest, you know, watching that game, I'm not a huge college baseball observer, but what I do know is body language and momentum and intangibles, and you could just see it. I mean, Wake Forest played tentative. They batted tentatively. They pitched tentatively. And LSU played like a team – that was just much more aggressive. I mean, they were more aggressive at the plate. They were more aggressive pitching, and uh, they deserved to win that. And I think the specter of Paul Skeens just weighed on Wake Forest. They yeah. knew they lost that game. They had to face the best pitcher in college baseball. Uh, I've not been impressed with Wake Forest at all. I'm not taking anything away from LSU, but uh, obviously Florida waits whoever wins this game. But I think the momentum that LSU will have going into that uh, is going to carry them, and I, I feel like they've got a great shot to win another title. Well, here's what worries me as uh, as someone who went to LSU. I'm, what worries me is you go through this, this this fight like hell thing, and then it would be easy. I don't think they're going to do this, but it would be easy to do this, is to say, okay, we got the skeins. We're so sure we're going to win now. Don't rest on your laurels, you know, because it, you know, you think Paul Skeens is coming in, you're going to win the game. You still got to get in there and hit the ball and do your thing. You also have to remember that Paul Skeens is coming in on what's not normal rest. This is normal rest for a major leaguer, but it's not normal rest for a college pitcher. So to be able to come in off of pitching 125 pitches, you know, you're going to have to figure things out. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I, I, look, this guy's a little bit different cat. You know, he's he's the best pitcher college baseball seen since Steven Strasburg. Uh, I think they wax Wake Forest tonight. I, I, I don't have any doubt they're going to move on. Uh, now, how they handle Florida, who's been rested and waiting, uh, we'll see. I think Florida has the bats that can match LSU. So you're uh, already – wait, hold on. You're already going past this game. You're, yeah. You're, you're writing this game off. When Wake Forest 
had a chance. They had a chance early in that game last night. They were up 2-0, had LSU a little bit on the ropes. Mentally, I think if they get four runs or something, that puts a lot of pressure on LSU. They were up there trying to get walks, J.D. You don't win national championships trying to walk. You get up there, you get aggressive. The alpha mentality was what, what LSU exhibited. They were up there swinging the bats, trying to win the game. Looked to me like Wake Forest was trying to hang on. And uh, you can't win that way. I think losing that game, it's all it took. Now they've got to face the best pitcher in college baseball. I think they're done. I, I agree with almost everything you said, but I just want everyone, I want to remind our audience that I'm Jim Derry and he's Jeff Duncan. And if you go put all your money on LSU at minus 155, because they're not that big of a favorite uh, and they're still playing the number one team in the country. I agree with you that Wake Forest played very tentatively, which is kind of surprising. And we, we, we all know Tom Walter, right? If the former UNO coach who leads Wake Forest and, you know, it, it's, it's great to see him in this position. I would be shocked if Wake Forest doesn't come with their A game tonight and play the complete opposite of what they played last night. That doesn't mean to say I think they're going to hit ball schemes. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to be laying back on their heels. They're going to let everything fly. They got a little bit of swag, too. So, well, look, they got I don't anything but a fait accompli. Yeah, look, Louder is a top 20 pick in the Major League Baseball draft, too. So it should be Correct. shapes up as a great pitching duel. And I guess the best shot Wake Forest would have is if Louder's lights out, can control LSU's bats, and they get into the bullpen late. That's the only chance I think Wake Forest has is to get past Skeens. And um, I'll be surprised. I mean, LSU's aggressiveness at the plate uh, you know, I know they strike out a lot, but that's how you got to play. You got to go. You got to win a title. You can't get up there and hope the other team walks you and loses. And that's what I saw at Wake Forest. They looked to me like they were just trying to hang on, and and, and God forbid get this Paul Skeens. It's not how you win a title. And I think LSU won that game because they were the more aggressive team. Uh, their backs were to the wall, and they came and took it. And I don't see how Wake Forest recovers. It's always harder to win a championship when you're not used to being in this situation. And now I know I get the whole these, well, these players necessarily haven't been for LSU in this situation and they haven't won a championship since 09. They haven't been in this game since 2017, but these players are, they went to LSU because all they've heard their entire life is LSU goes to national LSU is like the Alabama in football, right? I mean, that that's what this program is. That's what they're used to doing. So Wake Forest is far from that. So you you could see the mindset, but that that being said, this team still has to hit. I have not seen a consistent level of hitting, which I never thought I would say from this team. I thought they would hit anybody, and they haven't been able to. If you look at the scores here, you know six to three, they lost three to two. Then they won five to nothing, five to two. Now five runs is great in the grand scheme of things, but this is a team that's used to scoring ten runs. So they're scoring about half of their normal output. And if yesterday, you know, Veloso doesn't hit that three-run bomb where he says he was trying to hit a sack fly to center. I mean, this could be a completely different series. So they've got to get the bats going. And, again, you're going against a tough pitcher. You know, you talk about probably a top three pick as well, along with, with Skeens and Dylan Cruz. It's it's no gimme. they 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 got to get in this thing from early from the get-go. Well, look, I think – the, the park itself lends its, – it's a big park. 
you know, traditionally it's hard to hit the ball out of the park there. And when the wind's blowing in like it has been, you're not going to get it out. I mean, unless you go down the line. Uh, so I, do, I understand why the scores are down uh, because, uh, you know, the way the park and configuration and the way the wind's been blowing, uh, you know, LSU's kind of plays gorilla ball. With some oh, there's no areas. question about that. And, and it's just, you know, you, you have to manufacture runs in this park. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me. We'll see tonight the strategy the teams have, it, understanding that these two dominant pitchers are out there. Are they going to try and play small ball, you know, bunt, move people along, try and get just a run here or there, knowing these guys probably aren't going to give up, you know, a lot of runs. Jim Derry along with Jeff Duncan, and we are going to spend about half the show this morning talking about LSU Wake Forest, and then we're going to talk about the Saints because uh, I definitely want to get into that. We didn't talk about it at all uh, yesterday, and I'm about to go on uh, vacation, as I like to brag when it happens, because I don't get many. So, uh, you know, you know, I'm a grandpa now, Dunk, by the way. So, uh, congratulations. That's yeah, yeah, you know, that's when you really start feeling old, uh, when your kids have a kid. I mean, you you, re, you really really start feeling old. So, are you going anywhere on vacation? No, you know what? It's uh, it's the first time in a while. We usually go to the beach or go visit our family in Panama City, which is the beach uh, or something. And I'm tired, man. I think I'm just gonna. We got such a crazy uh, fall. I got a feeling this fall is gonna be crazy for this area. I think LSU is gonna be uh, in national championship contention. I think that the the Saints are going to be much better than a lot of pundits think they're going to be. Um, I think Tulane's going to be very good again. I think it's going to be crazy around here this fall. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a very intriguing fall. Uh, after you know, Tulane kind of carried the torch last year with that season. They did. They and uh, I think everyone should be, uh, certainly LSU, I know they've got high hopes. It's like a top five team. And I, I agree with you. You know, I didn't know what to expect from the Saints until this offseason. Being out there, seeing them, uh, there's a lot of positive vibes. I think a lot of that is, is attributable to Derek Carr. Is it still a lot of confidence in the building, not just in the players, but also in the coaching staff and the support staff? Uh, you can just feel it around there. Now, whether that translates to the games in the in the fall, we'll see. Uh, you got to win on the field, but right now, uh, I think. It's a lot more positive than it was a year ago at this time. You know, and I, and I know it sounds crazy because one championship or one team playing a different sport doesn't translate to any other sport, really. Um, by the way, if anybody wants to leave a comment or a question, we, we normally have a few by now. We've we got a, a good amount of viewers. No one's comment. Feel free to comment whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. If you're on Twitter, sorry, you're out of luck. You can just get to watch. You can't leave a your comments don't come through to us if you're on Twitter. But if you're on Facebook or YouTube, feel free to leave us a comment. We'll read it and show it on the air. I don't think necessarily that one, you know, this this baseball team can translate. But I think it'd be, I think as far as momentum-wise, I think teams feed off of each other. If LSU were to win a national championship, I know Jaden Daniels doesn't play baseball, but I think the baseball a baseball championship could kickstart the LSU football team and say, you know, this whole school, this program, this this is why we came to Baton Rouge because we think we can be dominant. Well, look, Scott Woodward, we have to credit him, right? I mean, absolutely, the job he's done as AD, uh, winning, they won a national championship in bat, women's basketball already. 
Uh, baseball yeah. team still alive. I didn't even so, mention that. Yep. Yeah, they still have a chance to win a national title. The gymnastics was in the, what the Final Four, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, it's been an incredible run, and I think it's only going to continue uh, to ascend uh, under Scott Woodward. The job he's done and making these big name hires, putting established winners in charge of the main programs there. Uh, we're, I think, on on the cusp of really a golden era for LSU athletics. We're going to have to get Scott Woodward on this show. You and I are going to have, you know, we had Mickey on the sh- Mickey Loomis on the show last year. We're going to have to find a way to get Scott Woodward on the show. Maybe, maybe reach out to LSU and see if he'll do it. But that, that would be a fun one. I'd love to yeah. pick his brain because what he's done is he's, you know, I think Skip did a really good job, but it's kind of the last 10 years have changed so much, I think, in college athletics, Dunk. And what LSU has been able to do to kind of transform themselves to be a part of everything now. It's not, it's obviously not just football. They've always been good in baseball, but they have kind of transformed themselves and always been good in track. It's just a program. I mean, they're good in everything now. Well, look, I think you have to credit Scott Woodward. I mean, he understands that these big programs now, they're really kind of big businesses. They're almost fortune 500 companies under themselves. And you have to hire good people to run those programs. And it shows, you know, he goes out and gets Jay Johnson, a guy from Arizona. I don't think a lot of people knew about him when he came in here. Certainly Brian Kelly was kind of an out-of-the-box hire from Notre Dame. I don't think a lot of people knew a lot about Brian Kelly when he came in. You know, he was expanded, I think, you know, the the search. Kim Mulkey. Right. Well, people knew about Kim Mulkey. but, But, you know, I'm just saying, like, he's going out getting good people. It reminds me a lot of, like, Tom Jurich, when he was at Louisville, my alma mater, he always had a list, a working list of who he was going to hire if he had to make a hire, and he cultivated that constantly. And you can just tell Scott Woodward is like that. He's getting good people to run these programs, not worried about is he a former LSU person. Just get the best person. That's that's really what you have to do to run these big athletic programs these days, as competitive as it is in college sports. Like you said, it's changed. The landscape's changed. And I think they've got a really good grasp on NIL now. And he told me this not too long ago that that LSU baseball was going to take off because of NIL, because of the limited scholarships that they can give in baseball. I mean, that's the worst sport as far as scholarship money, how it's divided up. I think they have about 35 or 40 players, and they only have about, what, 11 and a half. 11. Yeah, I think it's 11. So So they're really getting very little money. Now they can supplement that at LSU through the collectives, through NIL, allows them to attract top prospects that in the past they might have lost to a school like Stanford or Vanderbilt because those schools can can supplement their athletic scholarships with academic scholarships. And that was a big, big, I think, uh, milestone in understanding that and being able to expand their recruiting base and be more competitive. And I think it's only going to keep going up because everyone, let's face it, LSU's baseball program is the elite program in college baseball. That atmosphere and culture that Skip Burtman started and Palmineri carried over, every player in the country wants to play in that environment. But it comes down sometimes to who gives you the better offer in terms of scholarship money. That's been eliminated now. So it just opens up the floodgates. A lot of people, uh, you know, they don't realize that baseball – has only 11 or 11 and a half scholarships, <clears throat> which means that mo- most, if not all, of play- the players on the team 
none of them have a full ride. Um, and if they do, it's because, like Dunk said, you've combined other scholarships with your athletic scholarship. It doesn't work that way in baseball, hardly at all. Um, we, Nick Brody, you have a great question. We're going to ask Ask it when we get to the Saints portion of the show, which is going to be about another three or four minutes. Um, Tomcat says, "Go, let's go Tigers. Again, if you want to leave a comment or question, uh, you can do that. Duncan and I are going to be on until about 10, 10, 10, 15 this morning. It's the last time Duncan and I will be together on the show until probably preseason because, again, we're, the show's going to take a uh, brief hiatus. I'm trying to have a show next week. We, ha- you know, Going back to LSU baseball, Duncan, you know, I don't want to say that it's Datitude that did it for him, but ever since he came on this show, I mean, the dude has been lights out bombing the, the baseball. I'm just saying. So I don't know if it's Datitude magic, but ever, time, ever since the dude has been on this, you know, ever since you've come on this show, your career has kind of taken off. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> it's the Datitude uh, spike. You know, you, your book's going to be flying through the roof. The sales are going to be incredible. Oh. I mean, I think the Datitude magic going on. Hey, I'll take anything. Get that book sale. I'll, I'll take it. I mean, if I, I just want to get it done, JD. Let me just get it done and get it on the shelves. Then I'll be I'll be satisfied. Well, if the players can have swag, then then I then I can have swag too. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so why, why not? Uh, but seriously, you know, before we go to the Saints, I want—I do want to talk one last thing about about these LSU Tigers. I know a lot of people came on to, to hear about LSU and Wake, um, and we spent our whole show on, on it yesterday. Uh, we have a lot of con- well, Jeff Duncan has a ton of con. He he said, "Go ahead and book it." He said it so. He said these Wake Forest uh, Deacon Demons have rolled over. They didn't want to face Paul Skeens. They were playing. If you missed it earlier, you know, you can go back and rewind it later. But, you know, he said they were, you know, they were so scared of playing against Paul Skeens. They kind of played tentatively last night. And so they're just done. And so Cade Veloso's home run basically put LSU in the national championship. In fact, I think he went further. I think he said it won them the net. Did you say it won? He said, he said Cade Veloso's home run won them the national champ. That's how far he's going. So, and, and look, I, I'd like to be as optimistic as him. I, I, I think that they still have quite a ways to go. And, again, what scares me about tonight more than anything as someone who went to LSU and have seen these sorts of things, and really not just LSU, just kind of anywhere. Like, you know, you get to – if we can just to the, get to that game where Paul Skeens or whoever is going to play in that game, everything's going to change. We've won it all. They cannot go in. You know, you and I can have whatever mindset we want, but they cannot go in with the mindset that they've won this thing already. No, but look, I mean, when you have a guy like Paul Skeens, it changes everything, man. When you have a dominant, dominant starter like him, and we're, we're talking about, like, one of the rare guys in college baseball history. We're not talking no about doubt. just, you know, it just changes everything. And, and I just – I don't think we've seen a guy – at LSU, maybe since what Ben McDonald or you know, I, I just don't think there's been a guy. He threw what forty something pitches over a hundred miles an hour in that game the other night. That's insanity. Ben McDonald has the record for the most strikeouts in LSU history. By the way, somebody asked me the other day where where does Skeens rank on the all-time list? He's he's down there. He's like I think in the twenties. So it's it's got he's not going to hit that. Uh, he's got a ways to go. But to kind of put it in perspective. Ben McDonald has the all-time LSU record for strikeouts in a season at 202. 
I believe he pitched somewhere along the lines of 180 innings. Paul Skeens has exactly 200 strikeouts, which means barring something strange and silly, he's going to break the LSU record tonight. But he's done it in fewer than 120 innings. So that just goes to show how dominating this cat has been. Also how different college baseball is today than it used to be. Ben McDonald in the late 80s throwing 180 pitches in a college baseball season, which, by the way, is ridiculous. Right. And, and, and uh, I mean, you, you could almost, if you did that today, Skip Bertman would be put in jail. I mean, you, you can't, you just can't do that to a kid's arm. But anyway, that's a whole different story. But Paul Skeens, I think it's 117 and two-thirds or something along those lines to show you how much different college baseball is from then to now. I think what we're watching when you watch Paul Skeens pitch is it's like what a major league baseball starter would look like. I don't disagree. I mean, this guy's going to go to the, he's probably going to be number one pick Pittsburgh pirates. I think he's going to be pitching the major leagues very quickly. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to take needs to develop another pitch. Well, the only thing that's going to really, I think factor in here is just that major league rule, the loophole where they want to keep a guy, uh, you know, yeah, because they can get an extra year out of him on yeah. the back end. That's the only thing I think he's prepared to pitch in major leagues right away. And there's only so many guys like that. Strasburg was another one you could tell. It's just not going to. Yeah, but you see what happened to Strasburg, though. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean you got to be careful with these arms. And look, you know Zach Ewing and I have this kind of back and forth as of late. I think that some pitchers are, are babied and coddled too much, which is why. I think being baby and coddled is just as big of a reason of pitchers getting hurt than it is to just let them go. But that being said, you can't do anything like you used to do. I mean, I think Ben McDonald, I remember one game where he pitched like, made like 180 pitches, and then he came back like three days later. You, you just can't do that to kids anymore. I don't care how hard or how soft they throw. It just doesn't make a difference. You can't do that anymore. And no, really, no one does. So, I mean, it's not really that big of an issue. But uh, – you know, it's going to be interesting if LSU does win this game. When can you bring him back? I mean, theoretically, you know, you're going to if, – if LSU were to, to win this game and then lose game one of the championship round, you're going to be so tempted to use him on Sunday, but you can't. And then right. even on Monday, you know, you're talking about three days of rest. Do you, would you bring him back on a, in, a, in a theoretical, hypothetical game three? Yeah, I think you – you definitely consider it. I mean, it depends on how many pitches he throws tonight. Yeah. How much, you know, look, if somehow LSU got a big lead early, would you, would you think about taking him out? Oh, absolutely. You would. Yeah. You know, there's lots of strategy of going to that. I don't think that's going to happen because I think these two, I don't either, you know, it's probably gonna be a close game, low scoring game, but you know, there's a lot of strategy when you start looking long-term and he's such a unicorn. Uh, he know, really is. Help you exactly win a title by himself. I think, look, if, if Paul Skeens isn't here, LSU's not in this position. He changed everything for them coming in uh, and being as dominant as he is. Well, you see there on the screen what, uh, what the numbers have been, and uh, I'm trying to get an over-under for you tonight because the easy thing was, you know, it, I guarantee the public's going to be all over the under, which tells me that I, I actually think – these, both of these teams are going to hit a little bit better than, than we might think. So I think both of these starters, as good as they are, and as everyone talks about them all the time, I, I actually think it's going to be one of those games. The over-under is eight and a half. So you got to bet, lay out 120 to win 100 to, to bet the under. So you can, 
you could bet your sweet bippy that Aunt Mabel and Drunk Joe are going to be all over the under eight and a half. I actually think it's going to be over. I think the bat's going to be working, and I think that uh, both teams might be a little bit desperate tonight. I think, I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. I'm going to take the over. I like it, man. Zigging while everybody else is zagging. That's, That's what you got to do in the world of betting, my friend. Exactly, man. I mean, be a little counterintuitive there. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I know the other night everyone was on the over, and that thing went way under. Uh, and, again, I think a lot of it comes down to just the way the wind blows. I know that sounds crazy, but yeah. in that park, when it's blowing in, I mean, we saw, I think it was Dylan Cruz or somebody on LSU just crushed one, and that thing didn't even make it to the warning track. Uh, you know, in center field. So it changed last night a little bit. So I think it's something to look for. It's already, instead of blowing straight in, it was kind of a left to right. It was still helping, helping keep the ball in the park. If you hit, if you hit one, you know, deep to center or whatever, but I think it's a little bit different. And if it's changing now, probably going to keep on changing. I know that our weather here in South Louisiana is changing. That heat dome finally moved because that high pressure system and wind kind of blow as I'm being Nash Roberts and Bob Breck here this morning. Yeah, where, where are you going? <laughs> I'm just saying that the wind blows around the, those high pressure systems. And I think that's why the, the wind had been blowing inconsistently because that heat dome had been sitting over us. And so as it shifts again, in my weatherman moment, I'm, I always said I should have been a weatherman as it shifts. The weather's going to shift uh, with it as well. The wind's going to blow in a different direction tonight. We're going to get more on that. Zach Ewing is going to be uh, Bayou Bets this afternoon. He's going to be live at the field, Charles Schwab Field, this afternoon at 4 o'clock. We're going to be back here on all these same uh, channels, um, these right. social media channels. Yeah. So uh, Zach's, he'll, Zach's in Omaha? He is. He's been right. in Omaha for a week now. So okay. he'll be able to tell us exactly what the wind is doing when we talk to him this afternoon at 4. All right. So, you know what? We'll just go in our predictions. You've already made yours. Obviously, you think – LSU's going to have no trouble. Give me a, a final score, uh, Nostradamus. Uh, I'll go like three to one. I think it'll be low scoring. I'm against your counterintuitive thing, but, <laughs> you know, but I, I just don't see Wake Forest coming back. I, I, I just think they lost that game in the early. They lost any hope they had in the early innings last night. Um, and I just their body language, the way LSU played more aggressively, they looked like the team that wanted to win. Wake Forest looks like a team trying to hang on. I don't think they can get past Skeens. Tomcat says he predicts some kind of celebration. I think there's a good chance of that, whether it be purple and gold or black and gold. I think there's a good chance. So, all right, I'll tell you what I'm going to predict. Um, the I've only made predictions on two games thus far. Okay, uh, the first game I said that um, I think. Was it LSU? And it was LSU wake the first time on Monday. I made a prediction. And I said that LSU was going to win. I think I still believe that Florida and LSU are the two best teams in, in, the, uh, in the College World Series. I, I, re- I truly believe, no matter what happens tonight, I still think that Florida and LSU, would, even if Wake Forest wins this game tonight, unless they just do something that blows me away, I'm kind of with Dunk on. I've been underwhelmed by Wake from the get-go. Before this this. College World Series even started. I've been underwhelmed by Wake Forest. So I'm not saying anything I haven't said before. So that being said, though, I said LSU would win on Monday, and they lost. So then I said Wake Forest would win yesterday because I just thought LSU's – I thought it was going to be a super high-scoring game, by the way. I thought it was going to be like 8-6. to And it looked like it was going to be that way when it was 5-2. to So 
you know what? Since I was wrong the first two times, let's hope I'm wrong again. I have this, you know, you know, weird feeling that I think both both of these starting pitchers who are supposed to be top-notch, grade-A, first three picks of the draft kind of guys, I think they're going to get knocked around a little bit. I don't think they're either one of them's used to pitching on four days rest, which is what they have. And so I'm not saying they're going to give up five runs each, but I think they're going to give up more than they're used to. And I don't think either one of them is going to be as dominant as they used to be. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be like five to, you know what, let's make it six to four. And I, I, I'm going to predict Wake Forest again. I think it's truly 50-50. So I'm just going to keep in line and hoping I'm wrong. I have no idea, who's, and I'm being totally honest. I'm not going to bet this game. I wouldn't bet this game with Jeff Duncan's money. I, I, I'm, I am going to bet the over, but I'm not going to bet on a team on either side. It's truly 50-50. So just to be in theme and hoping I'm wrong again, I'm going to say Wake Forest is going to win 6-4. to How's that for Jedi hey. mind, mind trick? Uh, you, you kind of talked yourself into that somehow in, in the course of that. And of course, of that, I just I, I just don't know. I don't I'm not, I don't feel as confident as a lot of LSU people do. I mean, it just it's it's just like I said. I know it sounds like it should be easy. Okay, you got the Paul Skeens, but they got a really good pitcher too. I just haven't the thing. I just haven't seen when I've watched Wake. I don't see a a solid approach at the plate by their batters. I mean, they're swinging at really bad pitches. They they come. It, what Maybe. I saw last night with coming up taking good pitches. And then getting behind, and then swinging it back. I think that was nerves more than, than yeah, that's just what I'm the way they, they play, play though. They play tight, and and you can't play that way. You know, any sport. Uh, you talk to like Sean Payton. Uh, he wants his players playing loose, aggressive. I remember the Rick Pitino mentality was he wanted guys shooting if they're open in the title game. Don't be tight. You're not going to hit the shot if you're thinking. Uh, you've got to go in aggressive. I didn't see that from Wake Forest. Maybe they change up tonight. Maybe. Let's face it, you got to, but just that mentality after losing that game, I think it's going to be tough to bounce. I also back. think there's a different a different mentality, especially for teams that aren't used to being there. There's a mentality of we got to win. We're in survival mode, which is what Wake's going to be in tonight over a team that's not – see, if that would have been the reverse, LSU would have killed Wake Forest last night. Had it been the, had LSU won on Monday and been in the situation that Wake was in, LSU would have blown that team out of the water, I think. Because I think that they have the killer instinct. However, Wake Forest is not used to being in that position. So it was kind yeah, of like... Look, these LSU guys aren't either. I mean, none of them have been here before. Yeah, but their mindset is... that they're, they're, The program is. And but people keep saying... It doesn't matter. make a difference. They, what, I, I McDonald did, what Ben McDonald did didn't kind of transfer over to these guys. I, just I don't, I don't agree. I think it's instilled by the head coach, by the manager, you know, by the, by the culture of the coach. And I think they were just more aggressive. That's just a mindset that you, that you adopt. And I really believe you could just see it. There was a little more of an alpha attitude and um, I didn't see it at all from Wake Forest. Let all. me ask you, let me ask you this question. If Alabama goes the next two seasons without winning a national championship, let's say three seasons without winning a national championship, you don't think that those Alabama football players four seasons, three seasons from now or whatever, who have who had will by then have never won a national championship? You don't think it's, there's a little extra swag because they're Alabama? Well, I think that's a little different. That's a little different. I don't. I mean, you know, LSU's the Alabama of baseball, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I just think like, you know, the players get it from, I think, the culture that's been fostered by the environment they're in. And I think it has more to do with Jay John. I mean, like, I don't think necessarily LSU had it under Paul Maneri. Uh, you know, I just did never, I never saw that kind of attitude. I don't I necessarily see. disagree with that. But you know, I, I mean, so there was still LSU baseball, but it wasn't the same. And I think yeah, it's, you know, but you should know that Sean as well. Payton, if Sean Payton were coaching Wake Forest last night, they would have been much more aggressive, I guess. What yeah, I'm but yeah, you, you should know as well as anybody. Louisville under Rick Pitino, you, they didn't win the national championship every year, but they had swag because they had Rick Pitino, and they were Louisville. I mean, there's basketball and Louisville go, Louisville go won together. Three games last year, <laughs> basketball. Well, I, you know? I know, but I'm, they didn't have the players last year. They they need to make wholesale changes. But what I'm saying is, when the, that program gets back to the the mountaintop, they're going to be dominating again because people. Those kids are going to believe. So I, I'm just saying that it's it's two different programs, a team that expects to be here and is used to being here as to one that I'm not going to say Wake Forest is surprised that they're here, but they might be in the back of their minds. They don't – they never probably really expected to be in this boat one win away from playing in the championship round of the College World Series. Yeah, look, I think I think you have to just credit Jay Johnson. And I think – I think, look – I don't disagree with that. He also got, you know, some great players. Although he made a boneheaded play, some boneheaded calls last night. I don't know what he was thinking, bunt, trying to bunt Trey Morgan last night. That That's like, you know, I, I appreciate what he's done for this team, but trying to bunt with Trey Morgan, which changed the entire offense, and they hit into a double play after that. That, to me, they could have broke that game open right there, and you take the, you seize the momentum you seize it by the the junk or whatever you want to call it, and you go forward. And he didn't do that at all. Playing small ball, and I get that that's part, but that was one of the dumbest baseball calls I've seen in a long time. Trying to bunt with one of your best hitters, the guy who has more extra base hits in the, I think, in this uh, postseason than anyone, Trey Morgan, and you're going to bunt him with a man on first and second because you don't trust them to get a base hit. That made no sense to me whatsoever. And look, I'm I agree with throw that out there. I agree with the announcers. Like, do people not practice bunting anymore in college baseball? They I mean, really don't. Anybody put down a good bunt, really, so far. It's been a bunch of pop-ups and bad fundamentals. Uh, but, um, you know. Yeah, look, they, not to interrupt you, but they, they, they've tried that I remember. They've tried about seven sacrifice bunts in this series. And they've been successful on one of them. It's time to stop doing it. If they don't know, and I say this all the time, you try to make players do things that they don't know how to do and haven't practiced enough. It's a great in theory, and I understand what you're trying to do. But if they don't know how to do it and they're, they have a better chance to hit the ball than to sacrifice kids over a base, then just let them hit the ball or walk. I mean, they got a better chance to walk or hit the ball than for you to try to bunt them over because they don't know how to do it. You obviously don't practice it enough. That's not on you. I mean, kids just don't want to bunt anymore. It doesn't work. But don't try to force something that, that isn't there. So I appreciate what Jay Johnson has done, and I think he's done an excellent job. He's a, obviously a fantastic recruiter, and he's brought kids to this program that wouldn't have been here, including Paul Skeens, by the way. Um, but you can't make kids do something they don't know how to do, and that's what he tried to do with Trey Morgan last night. Because there's very few things that Trey Morgan doesn't know how to do. The game was over when, when they hit that three-run home run. <laughs> They didn't need any more runs. Wake Forest, it was a it was a knockout punch. All right. It was well, over. 
You still don't give them away. Throw the white towel in from the dugout. Get on to this next game. They were never going to win that game. They- All right. Dunk thinks they have the, the LSU Tigers won the national championship. I am 50-50 on tonight. Um, and then I'll, I guarantee you, look, they get to Florida. I'm not saying Florida is going to win the national championship, but let me just, let's just say that Florida is thrilled that these teams have to play again tonight and thrilled that they might, that they probably don't have to play Paul Skeens. Uh, and until a potential game three, you worry about games one and two first. We're going to move on to the Saints um, and spend a little time because I do want to end the show in about 10 minutes or so. So that gives us a lot less time than I, than I hope for. But switch it over to the Saints. And we, are, we do have a question from earlier. Nick Brody wants to ask. He tells us we have a great show. Thanks, Nick. Uh, will Michael Thomas ever be the same again? It's a good question. I mean, we're going to find out. I mean, the list of 30-something-year-old receivers that come back after having the injuries he's had uh, is probably a very short one. Uh, but I will say this. The one thing I think that works in Mike Thomas's favor is that he's not and never was – a speed guy. It's not about his ability to run past people. Yep. He wins at the line of scrimmage with his physicality, his great hands, his ability to make contested catches. And uh, that's, I think, what would be a reason for optimism for him coming back. Here's the other thing I would say about him. We're going to get the best version of Mike Thomas you've ever seen this season because he's on a one-year deal. He had to take a massive pay cut. He hasn't played in three years. If he wants to get paid again, at any kind of level of compensation, he has to produce this year. That's why you're going to see him be uh, walk the line in press conferences. You're going to hear this team attitude, all this positivity out of him. He has to because he has to get paid again after, after what's happened the last three years. So we're going to get Mike Thomas at his best this season, I think, on and off the field. And then if he gets paid again, all bets are off. But I think this year uh, he has to keep his nose clean and he has to produce. Jim Derry, Jeff Duncan on Datitude, a Thursday edition. Dunk's got something going on tomorrow, um, and I have I have a few Friday things going on. So Manning wanna, Passing Academy, man. Manning Passing Academy. I'd forgotten what it was, so I just didn't want to throw it out there. Uh, what what next great quarterback studded is going to be out at the Manning Passing Academy this time? Well, Drake May, who will probably be a top ten pick from Caleb Williams out there. Yeah, they they did not get Caleb Williams. Uh, from Southern Cal, and I think this is something that's interesting to watch going forward with NIL and, and it becoming a business. Uh, will that impact the Manning Passing Academy's ability to recruit these top quarterbacks? They've always been able to get the top guys in the past. Caleb Williams had so much other stuff going on with his business ventures business. that yeah. he couldn't come to this. I think it's a mistake. I think you cancel anything else. you got a chance to be at the MPA and sponge off Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, uh, you do it. Uh, you don't worry about the other things. You reschedule. Uh, but we'll see if this is maybe uh, a trend going forward. But they usually get the top guys, and they got most of them again this year, except for Drake May. Bo Nix from Oregon's not going to be there. That was another surprise. Uh, what about Arch Manning? He's going to be there, right? Of course, Arch Manning. So two schools, J.D., have two quarterbacks there. Usually they just have one. Two schools in the country. Guess which ones they are? Texas. Correct. Uh, and uh, LSU. Correct. Man. Only two. <clears throat> so Nussmeyer is going to be there along with Jaden Daniels. I'm surprised LSU would want to have two guys there. You know, the, look, 
I, I know you're friends with all the Mannings and you're super tight with them and all that stuff, but uh, the Mannings are not the biggest friends of LSU. I'm just going to say that. What I'm does that mean? That. What, what, what are you they were that? never going to let Arch Manning go to LSU. Uh, that, what are you talking about? If you wanted they to go were, to LSU, you would have gone to LSU. Never going to let. They're they're so hate. They hate LSU. No, I've never heard any of them say anything. Archie went to Ole Miss. It'd be like no, you know. He's from. He's from. It'd be like my kids <laughs> liking Tulane. They have nothing against LSU. I've never heard them say anything bad about it. That's just something that's been. They're just going with it. They think the best situation. I mean, Arch didn't did go to Payton, Ole Miss. Did Peyton? Cooper or Eli ever even consider LSU? Well, you got to remember when they came out, like it was LSU's program was not gangbusters back then. They were going to the best opportunity that they had back then. And, so that's and, a no then. Right. Okay. Right. You just right. go to where you're going to go, where you're best. I mean, this isn't well, like. Arch didn't consider LSU. They're, they're national. They did. They, they, have, a be- they have a better chance did. of national championship than Texas does. He visited LSU. He was down there a lot. He liked LSU. Mm-hmm. He liked Texas better. I hope he likes losing because that team going in the SEC, <laughs> they're gonna, it's going to be a whole new world for that team. You know, don't, don't underestimate Texas. I mean, that's. Why? That's a big time program. They're, they're no better than Texas A&M. Who has been we'll average? Who has been mediocre think, at best since they've joined the, the SEC? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, there are a lot of resources at Texas. I think it's underperformed. Mm-hmm. There's a reason SEC wanted Texas. You know what I mean? You know, and it, it hurts me because I grew up. There's no question that growing up, my favorite player was number eight. I mean, it just there's zero question. I mean, I would have. I probably grew up with a number eight jersey on on my back. Uh, but you know. And when they traded him, I actually cried, like 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 a baby cried. They they bum Phillips traded Archie Manning. This is ridiculous. So, um, but I'm just saying, there's no love lost for for LSU. I'm telling you, they, they don't care about that. Trust me, well, I've never heard them say that. I don't know where that's coming from. All right, I'm just saying. Just all right, they don't go to school there. Doesn't mean they don't like it. Just picking a better spot. Does that mean I don't you, like Ole Miss? Manning I'll tell you right school? now, I don't like Ole Miss. They're Ole Miss and Alabama. There are two places. If my kids, if either of my kids choose, because one's already, he's not going to college, obviously. If either of the other two kids choose Ole Miss or Alabama, that's on them. They could be the captain of the softball team. I ain't wearing that gear. I'm not wearing Ole Miss gear, and I ain't wearing Alabama gear. It ain't happening. You're different than they are. (laughs) You're not the same person. I'm like like most people around here. I, think, I just think like you grew up in South Louisiana. You, you don't go to Ole Miss and you don't go to Alabama. That's something. Well, Walker Howard's dad played quarterback at LSU. Yeah. was a legacy recruit. Where is he yeah. at? Well, he he got tired of realizing he was going to sit on the bench at LSU. Well, I mean, you do we'll whatever see. you got to do. He's it's, that's just the way of the world now. Is like college football with quarterbacks. Yeah. It's a business decision for these this, guys. This, this is a whole different story, but, it, what you know, oh, I can't start. I'm just going to take my ball and go somewhere else. I'm not talking about just Walker Howard. I'm talking about a lot a lot of players. It, it That bothers me. That's a whole different show. I, and, again, I'm not saying they don't have the right to do that. But they look like little wah-wah babies when they do that. That's Look, I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with guys looking for the best fit. I mean, I think Jaden Daniels is a prime example. That's a, it wasn't because he wasn't starting. It's the ones to me that it's different if you're looking out for the best thing of your career 
but it's different if you go to, you know, I couldn't wait to go to LSU, you know, the, all this smoke and, and not just LSU anywhere, really. You could say Alabama. It doesn't matter. I couldn't wait my whole life. I'm going to Alabama. I couldn't wait. It's, that's all I talked about for four years in high school because I covered him in high school. Not him, per se. I'm just talking about the average Jova player. And then they get to Alabama. They're not playing. Oh, I'm just going to go to somewhere else. And three years from now, they end up at, like, Jacksonville State. Well, look at a guy like Bo Nix. Like, he was a legacy recruit at Auburn. He'll never be anything in the pros. And he's turned out well in Oregon. He'll never be anything in the pros. Yeah, I don't disagree that it's a better fit for him. But there's a perfect example. Bo Nix will never be a good NFL quarterback ever. That's a whole different story. Well, these are things we should talk about in the summer because we still got to talk about the Saints here. And and Jim Derry's kind of being Jim Derry right here. You, you, I don't know what fusion it, but you know I'm trying not to be that guy anymore. I'm trying to be new and improved. I want to talk about these New Orleans Saints for the last five minutes of this show. Um, on vacation, what, what? Tell me, what? What do these guys do? I guess they go, they scatter. Um, when do they ha- have to come back? I guess they don't have to do anything team related at all until they come back for camp, right? Yeah, they report July 24th. They're going to be so back they, for that. So they basically have 32 days to do whatever they want right now. Yeah, I mean, I talked to, uh, let's see, Tyron Matthew told me he was going to Nickelodeon Park with his kids, taking them okay. there, I think, this past weekend. And he and his uh, you know, family were going to be going over to Venice, I think, after that. And uh, Wow. Cam Jordan told me they, he and his family were going to end up over in Europe. Uh, I know I uh, talked to Pete Carmichael, who said uh, you know he's basically a baseball dad, so he's following his kids uh, to baseball, as a lot of parents are this time of year, all over the country to tournaments. Same thing with Mike Parenton, the director of pro personnel. He, I think he was going to Pigeon Forge, which has a huge baseball park, uh, and for some tournaments. That's This is the only time these guys yeah. get a chance to get away. Uh, so most of them just try to get completely away and forget about football because once the season starts in late July, you show up for camp. I mean, it's a grind till at least January, often into February. I love the ones who go and just want to be dads. Uh, it's the only chance they really get to be regular dads, uh, really, uh, because they're off doing football the, uh, the rest of the time. They, they have one day off during the week during football. Here's a hater for you. You ready for a hater comment? Yeah. Gil Ariano, I guess is how you pronounce it. Derek Carr will fold in the red zone. Enjoy him. I'm heard, I've heard that a lot from people. The, yeah. You know, you believe Raiders that? fans, Raiders fans saying uh, not good in the red zone. We're going to find out, I think, a lot. Look, I would say this. I mean, he's impressed me a lot so far, but I'm not jumping completely on board because not, I remember a year ago, man, I, I can still remember it. People raving over Jameis Winston at this time of year, going berserk about him in seven-on-seven drills, talking about he had LASIK surgery and could see better. You know, I can go back and find the headlines. Wow. Uh, you know, this is what happens in June. Uh, people get people get carried away with hope and optimism. And I really believe the Falcons are going to be a lot better. I think the Panthers are going to be better. This kid, Bryce Young, I think is going to be special. So I don't think it's going to be a waltz in that division. And I've also got some concerns we haven't seen yet. You, you can't go out and evaluate these practices when they're playing basically patty cake along the line of scrimmage. Nobody's in pads. Cam Jordan talked about this the other day in the locker room. He's like, we, we can't touch the quarterback. So there's no way to evaluate. I mean, it's easy to sit back there if you know you're not going to get hit. 
and just throw the ball. Uh, this isn't football. So we'll, we'll have a better feel for these Saints, I think, once they start putting the pads on and camp, we see these guys get after it. There are a lot of haters out there. I mean, it just it completely boggles my mind before you even see a guy in a uniform because what he may or may not have done with his former team. I've said this over and over again. I'm not saying the Saints have a great offensive line because they've ranked in the bottom eight or ten uh, last year for sure. Now, they've had injuries at the wazoo, so we don't know how much that's going to affect their ranking if they stay healthy. But Derek Carr, I'm not saying, look, Drew Brees is gone. He's never coming back. I don't know how many times I have to say that because you do have to keep saying it. But he's the closest thing that this franchise has had to a Drew Brees since Drew Brees was gone. In fact, I'll take away the last two years of Drew Brees' career because he should have retired two years before he did. That's a whole other story. But Derek Carr is a real, legit top 10 or top 12 quarterback with a chance to be top eight or top six if the offensive line holds up. And you cannot compare him to a Jameis Winston or an Andy, especially an Andy Dalton, who was not as good as Jameis Winston, another story again. But I, I just don't understand there's people out there hating already. I mean, they, they've been hating since since they came since he came over. They're, they're just like they're hating on Dennis Allen. I mean, what this team went through last year, you know, you could throw a lot of things on that Tampa Bay, Monday night Tampa Bay game, which changed everything. But, I mean, the dude needs a chance. Uh, look, I, I, I think if you're a Saints fan, you should be optimistic because they've upgraded – at the position. Now, how much of an upgrade I think remains to be seen, but I think it's clear that he's better than what no they've had the last couple of years. There's no question he's upgrade. And and Gil basically, he said another comment, it's too long to show in the air, but his mom's a Saints fan. He's a Raiders fan. So he, at least he admits to being a hater. So there's that. But what are Raiders, what are the Raiders going to have now? And we're going to get into that. Uh, when we come back from vacation, we're going to be focusing on uh, division by division previews. That is going to be part of this show. Um, and when I get to the AFC West, which is probably going to be earlier in the, in the previews, I mean, they have a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo who he's kind of hurt right now, isn't he? No, not really. I mean, it's kind of what they thought. I mean, he's coming off off season surgery. Uh, I would compare it to like Mike Thomas. He's basically had some procedures to repair some of the you know problems he had. And it's, yeah. it's part of the routine that they expected. So, uh, I don't think there's anything to worry about if you're a Raiders fan. Who's their backup quarterback? I forget who they brought in. Uh, they brought they somebody in. Couldn't I'm, I'm a big Jimmy Garoppolo guy. I like him. I, I do, too. I, I I don't think he's as good as Derek Carr, but I like him. I think he can be every bit as good, I mean, in my opinion. But, like, oh, you know, a, it's the, Hoyer. Hoyer is yeah. they, you know, they, You know, the Saints were going to be in the Jimmy G sweepstakes if they didn't get Derek oh, for Carr. Sure. That's, who, that's who they were interested in. So, uh, he's the kind of guy you win with, not not you know because of, but he he's very similar to Carr in that he can run an offense. He'd step right in; there would be no drop off, and he's a winner. You just talk to people that played with him. That's what I always put a lot of stock in, and everybody believes in Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm I mean, not sure that he's necessarily a franchise quarterback, which I, I think Derek Carr is. But again, yeah, I just worry. I, I just worry like. Again, I, I'm not saying that he's not going to be good, but I always worry when a, when a team walks away from a guy. And I don't understand why the Raiders would walk away. There's something they did not believe in. 
And I'm not saying they're right, but like that just always gives me a little pause. Well, so hard to find a good quarterback. I, I walk I, away from them. I get what you're saying, but I think it's more of they haven't won anything with him there. Um, but that's their own fault for having an awful offensive line the entire time he was there. Um, they had, you know, Darren Waller was injured half the year this year. Um, he didn't have a ton of other receivers besides Devontae Adams, and that was only this year. Uh, Hunter Renfro was hurt for half the year as well. So, I mean, you know. He had good receivers. He had Darren Waller. He had Waller. He had but Waller was hurt half the year. I know. Well, I mean, but why? Hunter Renfro why, was hurt for a lot of the Josh year. You don't think Josh McDaniels knows that? Why is he walking away? You, th- you think he doesn't know? I mean, he, What has Josh good. McDaniels been successful for besides being an offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots and had Tom Brady that you could have been offensive coordinator right, of the New he, England Patriots and won? But he's, he knows what good quarterback play is all about. I mean, he's, been, he's seen it. So I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying, you know, there, it gives me pause, man. When, when somebody walks away, look, the, the Chargers did it with Drew Brees, and they lived to regret that. It happens sometimes in the league. But I'm also always, you know, a little leery of it because it's so hard to find those guys. So, you know. I'm but, just saying that I'm not giving Dennis Allen any credit, but I'm also not as against him as a lot of Saints fans are. I think the door is open. He can still have a great career as a head coach. Um, he's got a lot to prove. Josh McDaniel is in the same boat. He hasn't shown me a damn thing. I mean, at least I'm certain that Dennis Allen's a really good defensive coordinator. I'm not even sure Josh McDaniel is a good offensive coordinator because, again, when you coordinate Tom Brady, you could sit back and be in a, in a bubble all week. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. You can so, say the same thing about Pete Carmichael, though. You know, like I do. Yeah, I think that's a question that people I have. are going to have. Yeah, I have. Once the season starts and people start game planning you and they start seeing tendencies and you have to adjust, I mean, you really find out how good a coaching staff is as the season goes on and and people start getting a beat on what you like to do. How do you adjust? uh, You know, how do you adjust to injuries? Uh, All those things, I think, remain to be seen about this Saints coaching staff. I mean, they've got a whole new defensive coaching staff, a lot of new moving parts to mesh on that side of the ball. Uh, I think there's some questions that, you know, we don't know yet. And, and so while there is positive vibes out there and Derek Carr certainly is an upgrade, there's still a lot of questions that have to be answered. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, and Gil wants to know before we uh, we close the show, because we're going to get into this. Look, uh, it's, it's hard to predict right now because we still have a lot of things to do. And I'm going to spend – Actually, you know, part of my vacation, I'm going to spend starting to work on my over-unders. I think we won 19 two years ago, right? 19, we tied six uh, two years ago. And I think last year we were right up on 20 or 21 and tied like three or four. So we've been pretty good with our over-unders. Gil wants to know, what is a realistic expectation as we go off of the summer and kind of close that too with the summer dunk? What's a realistic expectation of a record for this New Orleans Saints team? I think 10 wins is probably about right. What's the over-under? Nine and a half, I think? It's nine at the moment. and uh, Nine and a half, and I think it's going to drop to nine before before all is said and done. But it I is think, nine and a half. The I think just because of the schedule is so easy. Uh, you know, they don't play a lot of elite quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, the, the, the South right now, I think, is going to be better. Uh, right. But, you know, I think, I think both those teams, Atlanta and Carolina, are better. <laughs> Uh, I, I, if I were to make a bet on the NFC South, I bet Tampa comes in last. That's my 
Oh, I think that's that's a. You know, you talk about Wake Forest, uh, LSU winning the national championship, or at least winning tonight is a fait accompli. I think Tampa Bay finishing last in the NFC South is a fait accompli. Yeah, I don't see much. They're going to be in the running for Caleb Williams. Yeah, I think they'll be looking for a new coach soon. That's my no. There's zero question about that. Yeah, but I I think I think a lot has to go right for the Saints as far as like, uh, you know, they've got to develop a pass rush. I'm a little worried about that. We don't. There's a lot of questions about their pass rush. Yeah, and also think you know. Look, it happens. Guys in their 30s drop off, and three of their best players are into their 30s. Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, and Tyron Matthew. Both, all three played well last year, but it could it could go south quickly when you're leaning on that many key players on your defense. But otherwise, this should be a solid defense. I think the Saints. Here's the one thing I would say. I think the Saints are going to be better offensively, and maybe worse defensively. And and and. Maybe a lot of people aren't thinking that right now. I think they're looking at that defense going, oh, we're top five defense. I think they could drop off pretty easily there, but I think they're going to be so much better on offense that it could compensate. I'm still five to six weeks away from giving an official prediction on these New Orleans Saints. That being said, here's one prediction that you can book. You can book it. Last year, Jeff Duncan, when he polled the media, he got 27 out of 27 that took the over seven and a half wins. 27 out of 27. My bold prediction is he won't get 27 out of 27 this year. I think they're going to be predictions all over the map on this team. I think I think there'll still be mostly optimism, but I think at the same time there's going to be – and I've been on Garland Gillen's final bet show with Juan Kincaid uh, quite a few times over the summer already. And there, Garland's like – I don't know, man. This team burned me. It's so funny because betters lose a bet, and then they want to bet the opposite the next time. No matter what the number is, they're betting the opposite, baby. They've been burned, so they're just going to go. You just can't assume that it's going to happen again. You, you, you just don't know. So I, 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 I think that you're going to have a mixed bag of predictions when you do it again this year. Here's the thing. I think the Saints can win 10, maybe 11 games if everything breaks right and still not be that good a team. That's what, actually what I think is going to happen this year. I don't think they play very many elite teams. I do think some Atlanta, of these games – Really? I think some of these games are going to be harder than people think. There's always teams that, like, coalesce in the offseason or on the way up that you don't think about that all of a sudden they're, they're better than you think. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But I do think, you know, this team – this team could be like the 2006 Saints – Really weren't that good, but made it all the way to the NFC Championship game because they they rode the emotion of that early season run. They got up. I think they started season three and zero. They really they were did. like a five hundred team after that. Yeah. Well, what makes me nervous, and I've talked about this. Um, I don't like. I, I know that this is theoretically or technically or however you want to put it. It's the thirty first uh, easiest, uh, toughest schedule in the NFL. But by betting standards, and we went through this by win, over under win totals, and I did my own formula, it's really the easiest schedule in the NFL, theoretically. That being said, they put it together in a tough way. After that Tennessee game, you know, you're talking about four of five road games, five of seven, and, uh, you know, six of nine or whatever. So before they come home, and they have this tough middle stretch. Not only that, you—they're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna go three right now. Tennessee is is much better than people give them credit for. Play them at home, so you got to find a way to stop Derrick Henry. Then your Carolina's home opener on a Monday night for 
Bryce Young playing his first game ever at home. Then, then you go to Green Bay, and Green Bay is way better just because they lost Aaron Rodgers. They are way better than anybody's given them credit for. I still think they might be the best team in the division being completely overlooked. And Jordan loves first game as starter at home at Lambeau Field. You got to go do that. Now, at least you play them earlier in the year, but that is no picnic, any of those three games. Well, you make a great point. I've, I've, I've made this point before. When you play teams is more important than, you know, who you're playing. In other words, you're right. You're going to play Carolina in their home opener of the season. You're going to play the Packers in their home opener. So the fans are going to be rabid for those games, excited. Uh, that makes those games tougher than they appear, you know, than if Green Bay would have already played a whole game. So I just think – I agree with you. I think this could be a, a, a more difficult schedule than people think. Now, one trend that I would say, and I know you know a lot about these kind of betting trends, if, if you're looking for another reason of, for optimism, if you're a Saints fan, and I'm going to write about this soon, you know, the turnover uh, ratio that was so bad a year ago, that has to turn around. I mean, I agree. Just, just it has to regress to the mean. The Saints had 14 takeaways a year ago. The the fewest in the history of the franchise. Yeah. I think they had seven interceptions. He had only you know, three just, going into week 14. Yeah, just sheer sheer luck is going to be better for them in that regard. And that is a big number as, in terms of a statistic in terms of winning. I just think the Saints, you know, traditionally every year up until last year, they were in the low 20s in takeaways. And then all of a sudden they just dropped off a cliff. I think that number comes back up. And it's going to be, you know, help lead them to more wins. So there's just a lot of statistical things, I think, that lead them to probably have a better season. I mean, one could make an argument that the best quarterback they are. I don't know that this is true or not because, I, I again, I think Bryce Young and I think Jordan Love are going to be better. Bryce Young's a rookie. We don't know what he's going to get. I think Jordan Love's going to be a lot better than people think. But there could be an argument made that the best quarterback they play all season is in week one with Ryan Tannehill, who's not that great. He's average. He's an average quarterback. But you go down the rest of the line – you know, people can talk about Justin Fields all they want. They have an awful offensive line, and Justin Fields has still not proven to me he can be a NFL-type passer. Um, he's got a strong Trevor arm. Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence might be the guy. Trevor Lawrence is one of them, too, for sure. I'm not, I'm not, I don't love Trevor But So what I'm saying is there's a bunch of mediocre to bad quarterbacks on this schedule, um, yeah. and it's going to no be really interesting. There. There's no Josh Allen. No. You know. There's no one in the top ten. I don't think, I don't think there's anyone in the top ten unless – Matthew Stafford has some sort of revival, and when you play him in Week 16, I, which I doubt seriously, I don't think they're going to be any good. But who knows? But it's it's an interesting schedule. There are no juggernauts on this schedule for sure. I don't think they're going to play anybody. That you know, this week it's the seven and two New Orleans Saints against the seven and two Indianapolis Colts. I don't think it's going to because I think Jacksonville is going to re- regress. They actually have a tough schedule, so. Anyway, it's going to be the Lions. The Lions could be good. Uh, that that's an Aunt Mabel, drunk Joe, Joe no, Q public kind of thing. They got a lot of talent, you know. They don't have a quarterback. I think Green Bay. Green Bay has talent everywhere. I'm not a Jordan Love guy, and the only reason I'm not, and I swear this is the only reason, just and I, I'm probably revealing too much here, but Sean Payton did not believe in Jordan Love. Remember back when they came I out? I do remember that. A lot of people like projecting Jordan Love to the Saints, and I had an off-the-record conversation with Sean, and he goes, we're not drafting Jordan Love. You know, so interesting. the fact that he was so I know he didn't bad. like him, but I didn't know he basically said that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was not a fan. So hmm. just, well, just, just 
for that alone gives me pause. Now, maybe maybe they do something with him and he's improved a lot. I will say when we were up there last year for training camp against the, the Packers, uh, he did. He was extremely athletic, and that's the way the game has gone. So, uh, you know, there's a chance, I think, for some more big plays out of them. But I, I'm interested to see how they how they do. I think they have a good offensive line. They have a good enough core of receivers. They don't have great receivers, but they have good receivers, and they have a really good running game. So that can take the pressure off of a quarterback that's just coming in. I think I still think, I again, I haven't got that far. Um, if it weren't for Minnesota's issues, Minnesota's got all kinds of issues. I, I really think Green Bay's still going to win the division. But uh, again, we got a ways to go. I may pick something different when we get to the get to it. We'll find out. All right, what are you going to do? I know you're working on your book. Is that all? Uh, you yep, haven't taken any there. official vacation, have you? No, I'm not going to have any time to take a vacation. I'm going to have to take it during the bye week, during the season. Just got too much to do on this book. Oh, you can't at least go somewhere where it's cooler and work on your book? Well, it's possible, but like we like to collaborate between Steve okay. and his wife, Michelle, and, and, and we do that you know, over at their house in Lake Vista. So uh, it's hard to get away while we're still trying to produce chapters. Yeah, well, I, I, I tell you what, man, I, I, I usually like to work a little bit during my vacation and find something to do, but, and I probably will towards the latter half as I've been off for a couple of weeks, but first week, I'm either going to the club and hopping in a pool with my kids or, or I'm going to sleep. I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's not going to, I don't might not touch a computer for a full week when I, when I go. I'm yeah, that's probably smart. Just totally, to uh, computer. Totally check out. Yeah, no, get off the grid. Get off the grid. All right, LSU and Wake Forest tonight. Uh, Jeff Duncan loves the Tigers. He said Wake Forest was done as soon as Cade Beloso hit that home run. I'm 50-50. My official prediction, just so can I, I can keep in line with my losing picks, is I picked Wake Forest to win, again, solely because I've been wrong. So I'm just going to pick Wake Forest and hope I'm wrong again. I mean, why would I change now, right? No, new, no reason to change and just be wrong. Just own it. Just don't bet it. You don't lose any money. So that's what we hope happens. But as we go out this afternoon or this morning or whenever you're listening to it, you may even listen after the fact and say, "Look, listen how stupid Darius or listen how brilliant. I got to listen to this show again. Well, the good news is there likely will be one more show before we take a break um, next week at some point. We'll see how it goes. So, but be prepared. It could be it until the end of July. And again, wh- whether we have a show or not, we are going to take a break. Uh, the, I think we set our first show back. If it, You know what? I'm going to do this on live radio, even though you're not listening live. Yep, July 21st, I think, is uh, when we're supposed to come back. When we come back, it won't be just Saints because we're going to do like a little mini Saints segment. And then we're going to spend our shows... I think for eight weeks, or unless we do a we may do two shows a week. I don't know. Whatever it is, that's how we're going to do our NFL previews. Last year, we did them with Adam Chernoff, and we did them team by team. I think I'm going to do them division by division this time. So we'll see how that works out. But that's still a little ways away. Right now, you got to go into this game, and you got to have the eye of the tiger, man. And I think I've used this song before to, to go out, but I don't care. I may use it again next week if they're still playing. They're playing for a championship. We'll have to wait and see. You got to have the eye of the tiger. And this team, uh, I think, is going to have it tonight. Whether that means victory or not, 
again, 50-50. I hope my prediction is wrong. Aunt Mabel's going to be betting on the Tigers. I just can't do it. I hope Aunt Mabel's right for once. Maybe she can uh, go buy a few extra ingredients for her fruitcakes, and we can all be happy and joyous this time of year. I hope you're happy and joyous tonight. Enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you soon. Peace and love, my friends. <laughs>